It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome back to Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg. And once again, I say, holy crap, what a week it's been on Big Brother. <laughs> Joining me as always is, of course, my co host, Ovi Kabir. Hey, David. So happy to be here. I wish we were feeling a little better because, yeah. as you can see, I might look a little rough. I This is uh, in honor of Tennessee playing this weekend. I have it, but because I have nothing else in the laundry. I've been under the weather. I also think you have been, too. Yes, we have both managed to independently get sick. <laughs> Woo! Yay! So we will try to uh, mute the sniffles and coughs and throat clearing, but can't guarantee we'll be 100% successful. So we'll, we'll try. I promise. <laughs> Now, uh, as for the show this week, if you have just watched what's been on TV, you have still seen more strategy and actual gameplay than you normally see in half the season on TV. If you also watch the live feeds, well, then when have you slept? Because I know whenever I went to bed, it took me so long to catch up on what happened that new things were already happening by then. I have fallen so far behind on my other TV because whenever I want to watch a show, something ha happens on the feed. It is the reason I'm wearing the shirt. I'm afraid <laughs> of what might happen if I relax. You this really is what is happening to all of the people watching the live feeds. You turn away for a minute and all of a sudden someone's yelling at someone or a plan is flipping. You just never know. I think these are the weeks that truly the Big Brother editors and production team are like, why did we decide this show should have three episodes per week? Because I imagine that to the umpteenth minute of putting the show out there, they were editing new footage in because we at Lifetime were like, wait, the plan has changed five, ten mm -hmm. times. I mean, David and I were going back and forth versus every 12 hours like, oh, well, it's this person. Nope, it's this person. And I imagine all our viewers were doing the same, too. Yeah, I mean, they definitely the Thursday episode had a lot of Wednesday content in it. They were definitely editing that show right up until the last minute there. And then we'll get more of that as they do the wall competition. Uh, you know, they'll do flashbacks, of course, and we'll get to see snippets of the long arguments that occurred on Thursday. Now, I think uh, I was just saying the irony is, though, the Wednesday episode basically was a two hour filler when they oh, probably yeah. should have filled it with everything else. Yes. Yeah. If they had known, you know, um, if, if these if these players would do like normal players do, make a decision <laughs> and stick to it, then it could be fine. But no, no, they can't do that. Um, they just won't think of us. It's, it's really sad that they Truly. won't think of us, you know. Now, for most of the week, I was a lot more certain than usual that Felicia would be evicted. Mm -hmm. I told you that. Yep. I almost started working on why Felicia lost notes. But then I got caught up in other things. Luckily, 
because, of course, we know what actually happened. The flip was different this time around, but it was there again. Yeah, no, it was uh, you and I were going back and forth on it. And I think more than anything, there was one time you said, well, all right, it's Monday. I'm going to keep my notes concrete. Them. Uh, Felicia's going home. And I had typed out like, I truly don't even know. I think that was know. Tuesday. In my defense, oh, it might, it I might think have been, that was it might Tuesday. Tuesday. It might have been Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, and power to you. At that point, it seemed yeah. like that. It was. Yeah. Um, I think the saddest thing, we'll get into the rules and talk about that in a little bit. But I think I was so sad about it because I feel like the actual TV viewers didn't get to even see Izzy in their full ability. Because they had yeah. such an incredible way to just be entertaining in the house. And we only saw that on the feet. So I was really yeah, sad. It, it really is. They didn't get to see her at the start when she was mm -hmm. dizzy, izzy in a tizzy. <laughs> uh, they didn't get to see her, uh, her character growth really throughout the show, which uh, I'll talk about more. But uh, yeah, I, I really do think that the viewers were shortchanged on Izzy content. 100%. Now. That said, no matter who it is that goes, uh, and no matter how many times the vote flips, we're always here with one goal in mind, to answer the question of how the player who was evicted did in their gameplay compared to a set of guiding rules I originally wrote in 2004 and have modified ever since. We, of course, analyzed uh, this using what we saw on TV, live feeds, interviews, whatever other information we can get our hands on. And, of course, the most recent version of the rules is posted at robhaswebsite.com slash bigbrotherrules. But before we get to the rules, we always have some other things to discuss about the week in general. And I want to start by going back in time. <laughs> because some people have been pointing all the way back to the Heisen boot and saying, mm -hmm. see, shouldn't have gotten rid of him. And Izzy was even asked about this in at least one interview. But, you know, we discussed that week in why Heisem lost, that there were valid reasons to get rid of him. And so, I mean, even if there weren't, let's just say for a second that there weren't. How many evictions ago was that? Uh, I mean, it. I guess technically one less because one, yeah, power it wasn't that but long ago. It was it was a solid three weeks, three four weeks ago. <laughs> I feel like, um, maybe three weeks ago. But three the weeks. whole butterfly effect of everything, mm -hmm. considering the way this flip came, there's no way you could say, oh, if you hadn't evicted Heisem, well, who knows what would have happened with Heisem? One problem with Heisem was they didn't trust him, so. I, you know, and one problem with Izzy was they didn't trust Izzy. So, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, we'll get to that, I'm sure. I, you know what? I, I love shows that start like this because I think we're barely five minutes and I get to disagree with my favorite, Mr. David Bloomberg, because I am the camp where I said, yes, there's a butterfly effect, but look what you did to Heisem. I know he's on his couch laughing at everyone because I think what happened, regardless of putting him home, it's just or put, putting him home, but evicting him, it sends the message. The way you do it is that we're ready to blindside our allies and we don't trust them. And unfortunately, that kind of level of um, 
culture built into a team makes everyone fear one another. And that's what we kind of happened down the line is each person who was blindsided thought they were good. They thought they were in the camp till the actual allies around Sari, around Izzy, around Felicia, around Jared, they're like, wait, hold on. I feel good. But knowing their track record, that probably could mean that I'm also on the block too. So um, I don't think it's the worst thing that Heisen went home in that time. I think it's just the way they handle it, which I think will come to our next part too. Well, and they handle the, yeah, that, I mean, they handle it. The funny thing is they handle it the same for everyone and people are starting to catch on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, well, uh, we'll just tell them that we're voting with the house and we haven't made our decision yet. They tell everybody that Mm -hmm. every single time everyone knows, you know, that that's meaningless. Uh, except for Bowie Jane, because she always just says, I'm voting with the house. No, don't do this. You've already you know, got a lot of Bowie Jane stands at you, David. You don't they are. They're coming you. after me on Twitter. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Be careful. I, you know, dare. Yeah. I can't even say why, because it would be a spoiler. <laughs> so. Um, but uh, so anyway. Uh, yeah. So now moving forward a little bit from Heisem. Other people have said, aha, this proves it was a good thing they got rid of Red because Cameron and Red would have teamed up and and see, this would have been even worse. But we discussed last week that Cameron said if Red stayed, he would have thrown the comp. So, no, there's no justification for saying that. And I might just have some more to say about last week's decision as we get to the rules in a little while. I, and I want to say that I feel like a lot of our commenters in our, our comments since week one, week two, because we've kind of been on this. And I think we've been on um, the minority side of this versus now getting the majority where we were kind of saying that I feel like Sari and co are doing a little too much too soon. This could easily blow up in their face. They have a very easy stroll to jury, which mm-hmm. now jury is pushed back, but even more easier because they have a steamroll going on. And as a game wise as well, we might not like entertaining wise. It's smart for the game. Right. Um, we were worried that, hey, you're making things a little too chaotic. And a lot of our commenters was like, yeah, I don't understand why people aren't seeing this, that they're just, you know, the fandom is being a little blinded for their love for these people is that they're not realizing they're making these kind of bad moves when they don't have. Well, to. OK, so, hold on. Let's not get okay. to the rules just okay, okay, yet. Okay, okay. Might come up. <clears throat> all right. All right. Yeah. Won't say too much. My right. fault. That, that's that's code for that's definitely coming. <laughs> um, so. um. Moving forward to this week, I want to make my thought on Cameron's plan clear. I don't want there to be any misunderstanding about it. It was stupid. Okay? If you know who the leader of the opposing alliance is, you take out the leader if you can. You don't purposely take out their lieutenants without a good reason. Sometimes it happens on, like, Survivor, because you're like, well, I know this person's leading, but... Either I can't get the votes for that person or I think they have an idol. So I'll take out their support. Nobody has an idol on Big Brother. And, you know, the votes, maybe they could have gotten. Maybe not. Probably not. Although, you know, it's it's Cameron. Who knows what he was thinking in his head? But the point is, there's no good reason to aim specifically at the lieutenants. In his version of reality, he would take out Izzy. And suddenly, Sari would feel so alone that she would come to work with him. He even said she'd be out on an island. So appropriate for a survivor player. But here's the thing. She's not alone. 
at the time, she basically had alliances with everyone. If you take out the leader, everyone and all those alliances get discombobulated. That's why on Survivor, you always hear you're cutting off the head of the snake. No, he didn't want to cut off the head of the snake. He wanted to, you know, kind of annoy the snake a little bit. No, he took out a lieutenant. And I think this is the thing. It's really interesting. We've talked about that. Cameron is basically breaking every rule that you set forth in this mm. game. Um, he was your original winner pick. We mm. fought over him. And somehow Seriously. through, <laughs> hey, he's still there. I, mm-hmm. uh, my second winner pick was Izzy. So she's gone. So Matt's still thankfully there. But <laughs> with Cameron, it's interesting because he is, is a true soldier in the nature of the game. Um, he just keeps going forward and bulldozes through fires. And I just don't know when it's going to catch up to him. This last week right here, uh, what he's been doing, it, it was a weird way because he really tried to, you know, um, not let anyone know about his plans whatsoever. How do you feel about that approach? I think it's stupid. Um, uh, because, first of all, if you want Suri and Izzy on the block. So let's say that his plan was was okay which it wasn't but let's say it was if you want Suri and izzy on the block you put Suri and izzy on the block i already made fun of him once for this when i was on the sunday night uh recap mm. uh but you know Suri is no challenge beast you don't have to backdoor to you to get her nominated and by putting her up directly you eliminate the risk of what actually happened someone winning veto and choosing not to follow your stupid plan Because if those two had been up, and let's say Jared wins veto, well, okay. Yes, Jared is going to take Suri down, but he's also going to reveal to one and all just how close he is, as if they didn't know already. Let's face it, Cameron was the only one who didn't know. But, um, and, but the point is, you, you, you reduce the chances. And he just, yeah, he, I don't know. I, I don't know what that man is thinking. I don't even remember what the question was that you asked. <laughs> no, I asked of him not. Uh, I think you basically answered. But I asked, how do you feel about him blindsiding everyone? Oh, yeah. The it's, the, it's just the, the whole idea of not telling people why. Why? You should be building trust. Mm-hmm. You should be like, hey, I want to work with you. And this is why. Not, I'm going to lie to you and make you fake cry for an hour or make you so nervous that you're practically, you know, pooping your pants there, whatever it is. I, I, I don't understand why he thought this was good. He was like, ha chaos. No, just dumb, just dumb. So, and then in the end, he ended up like accidentally succeeding at getting Izzy out. Almost all of the agency in that decision was Corey in America. Very little was Cameron. Uh, In in fact, the idea that people were doing what Cameron wanted made some people more hesitant. Like if you if you were watching the live feed discussions as Corey was talking to them, they were like, oh, but I don't want to work with Cameron. And he's like, no, no, we're not working with Cameron. We're coincidentally doing the same thing that Cameron wanted. You know, nobody wants to work with Cameron. They didn't want to be seen as associated with Cameron. Yeah. He, it, and I think it just kind of goes back even further, right? When they blindsided Red, when they really they didn't have to, because at that point, Red and Cameron would have been, again, hindsight's 2020, but really no point in doing that. 
he would have been in their pocket. Same way we say about basically Matt or Sari wasting Matt's power mm-hmm. to bring people down to have Jack. Like there's just so many false plays and so early in the game that really has become a butterfly effect to what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. Being evicted. We haven't even got to easy why she's been. It's just so no, many things no. beforehead. Right. Now I want to mention that uh, some people have said we shouldn't criticize Cameron. Uh, we a generic we everybody uh, for bringing Jared in on the plan because he of course has no way of knowing he's Cere- that Jared is Cerie's son. And yes, fine. The problem is what you had mentioned a little while ago, or what one of us had mentioned. Everybody in the house knows how close he is to Cerie and Felicia and Izzy, except Cameron. But he knows all in his little universe. Uh, I mean, America was the only one who finally managed to pierce through that thick skull by arguing. You know, I mean, she was like, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. He's like, no, no, no. And then finally she made it through. And he's like, oh, yeah, I knew that. (laughs) She put a lot of work in and credit to them, too, that really being against, you know, not either of them have been in a power position whatsoever as the game has gone by. But they've somehow been able to, you know, use these people around them as tools to further their own game. When everyone knows they're basically, I would say, the most open showman in the house. Yes, you have Jared and Blue, but there's like people know there's like weird riffraff here and there mm-hmm. between now and them. And or Blue says this, Jared says this. Versus Americori, they are a concrete uh, showman, and uh, you would think a much bigger threat in the game than people perceive them. They perceive them as a threat individually, but I haven't really heard them talking to them about them as a block. So interested to see how that goes forward. Well, it'll go forward in a few rules for one thing, but. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so besides AmeriCorps, did you have anyone else you wanted to talk about before we get to our next regular segment? No, I'm, I'm excited for the next regular segment. Okay. So hit me with Because you. that means it's time for Julie Chen Moonves is wrong about blank. And we will start up with a follow up from last week again, because remember, Julie had told Dalton Ross that with Cameron being HOH, if he figured out Cerise position, it would be curtains for her. And at the time, I said, nope, she's too insulated. The worst that could happen would be losing an ally like Izzy or Jared. And here we are. But the more ridiculous thing is that this week, Julie contradicted herself. (laughs) Of course. Because she told Dalton this week, don't count her out about Sari. So last week, it was curtains. If he found out, he found out everybody knows. And now she's like, don't count her out, which is you just going to go back and forth. She just swings whatever the cue card tells her to at this point with the game. I mean, here's the thing. Maybe she was trying to keep up with in the beginning portions of it. I just have a hard time thinking that she's truly keeping up with it because the viewers themselves right now are getting lost within the game as things go on by. So somebody's helping her write these cue cards by the end of it. and. I don't know if they're really keeping up. I mean, are they answering the questions for Dalton Ross, too? How (laughs) bad is that? I would think if they if you hired someone to do that, they'd pay better attention. Then I really think it is her. (laughs) Um, But but to your point of not paying attention, 
She also said Jared is a strong competitor. Yeah, strong at winning by default. He and then he she you know she added that he will shield Sheree this way. No, he does the opposite. He draws attention as he did this week. He doesn't deflect it. He doesn't shield her. It's like a big magnet pulling in bullets instead of a shield bouncing them off. <laughs> you, I, you know, I will give Jared this. I, I think she's not. She's half wrong. I don't know if how much he does truly shield her because I think he might be the other way around. But Jared has been a pretty good competitor in the game. I know you're not exactly the biggest fan, maybe not the top fan, but in competition wise, he's been doing pretty good. He's got a good ratio. So you can't say she's because people wrong. gave them to him. He the the way he has won every single time he has won, someone gave it to him. He came in third place in the veto comp. And he's out there going, whoa, I'm a legend. You came in third place. It's just that it's just that Jag was like, I'll take the money. And <laughs> and then Matt and Jag probably figured if I take the veto, I'm going to get whatever Matt gets. So I'll just stick with the money and be safe. And then Matt's like, oh, I get to hang out with the real Josh Dumel. And well, I mean, this is how he won. Vito. Power play. Jared knew what the temptations were for Jag and <laughs> yeah. Matt and knew that Josh uh, Dumel would be way too hard for Matt not to take. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a 500 IQ play by Jared and we're not giving him enough credit for it. Yeah. I think a little part of David just broke when I said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, in addition to that issue, Julie also started out this week's interview with Dalton by being wrong in response to the very first question. And she said, Cameron is good at the game. So if you need any further proof of what you just said about her not paying attention, there you have it. Yeah, I mean, he here's the thing. You can't say Cameron doesn't compete. You can't say he doesn't try. I don't know. Based on our rules, we would say Cameron's quite good at the game. He is oh, normally. <laughs> <laughs> David is certain. David is certain. If if Cameron somehow wins the game, you literally just broken. talked about it earlier. You said he's broken every rule that we have. Here. He has. He has. I don't know what we're gonna have to put. Uh, have somebody watch David for twenty four seven. If somehow Cameron makes his way to the final and wins this game, because oh, oh, it will be a hard day for David. <laughs> it will be a hard day for all of us. Honestly, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Now, the but but I, I have to note the reason that she said this as support, she said it's easy to keep your mouth shut when you have no allies left in the game. The only time he kept his mouth shut was in not telling people who the nominations would be, as we were talking about. But even then, his mouth was moving all the time, further alienating people. And then on this week's eviction episode that she hosted. They showed Cameron telling information to people. He was not keeping his mouth. She doesn't even pay attention when she's standing there. <laughs> she's reading. She's reading the things, you know? She she's she's trying there. Um yeah, I don't know. There's no excuse right here. I can't even I can't even fight for her at this point right here. Yeah. This uh this one's a hard week for her for sure. Yeah. <sighs> I tell you. But I'm glad Dalton Ross gets to ask her these questions because, you know, it gives us feeds the segment. It does. It does. All right. Well, before we get to the rules, I want to mention that 
the survivor version of the rules is available in poster form. And you can go to robhaswebsite.com slash yxlostfeed, scroll down, get to the poster, click and buy, and then hang. Not, I mean, hang the poster. Uh, that, or you can uh, get the poster on a t-shirt or you can get the checklist on a t-shirt. And, you know, those rules, very similar to the Big Brother ones. Not 100% exact, but very, very similar. So again, robhaswebsite.com slash yxlostb. All right. When Izzy was evicted, and in her interviews since, she has put most of the blame on Corey and herself for believing that she was close to him. But is Corey really the ally she should be blaming? Some people have said she threw away her game for Sari. But is that what really happened? Could Izzy have saved herself by revealing the secret? And if the answer to all these questions is no, then where did she go wrong? Let's find out as we figure out why Izzy lost. The first and most important rule is, of course, to scheme and plot. And there is no doubt in my mind that Izzy knew how to do this. From the first moment returning from those initial competitions and seeing Suri, she pulled Jared aside and used it as a way to make a super tight alliance from the start. From there, that spread to the point that Izzy was at the center of almost every alliance in the house. She had people from everywhere telling her what was going on. And for six weeks, she shared power with Suri. Maybe not quite equally, but the two of them often talked and bounced ideas and they worked together. They, they did. They went back and forth. Um, I always liken it. It was really funny that uh, I've seen a lot of succession um, comparisons between Suri, um, Izzy, Jared. You have Kenko, you have uh, Kendall and uh, uh, Shabon. Shabon, I forgot her name. And then uh, the big old Roy there. So the power dynamic, they're just fighting the kids in there and they can really never take it from their dad. And that was Suri. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're fighting that hard to take it from Suri. So, um, but because of all the information and power Izzy had, she was able to put herself in a good position with just about everyone. Um, even looking at like, you know, uh, Corey, he didn't always share her goals, but he told her almost everything he was doing and even what America was doing. Blue reported to her and mm -hmm. so on. Uh, for this early part of the game, she had herself in a position that many would envy. But all the while, Izzy was not the only one playing. Corey had told us through some live feed camera talks over the weeks that he saw what his position was, and he knew at some point he'd have to make some decisions. In one of them, he specifically said that he would be willing to join a move against Suri if someone else started it. In the meantime, he had gathered a lot of information about how the triad had been lying to different people. Once the fuse was lit, he saw this as the perfect opportunity to make his move, and he fired off all his ammunition at once. And his maneuver to outplay Izzy and company worked. It did. And it was, uh, honestly, for me, I was pretty sad to see it because I really was enjoying Izzy. And I feel like we're, we're going to talk about it within the rules, but we saw such a growth within Izzy's week one gameplay where I felt like she became, she was an Asian of chaos versus this week 
basically going to week six that she was uh, somebody reining it all in. She was kind of one of the folks, even though I know she had some chaos still to her, there was an organized level of chaos. She had these connections with each person. And if anything, the people who kind of brought her game down, it wasn't a straight shot at Izzy per se, but it was a shot at Sari and Co. trying to figure out how can we damage Sari. And it really fell on Izzy on her back that it happened. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we've started you, you've kind of started moving us into the second rule here. So we'll just go because the second rule is not to scheme and plot too much and to keep your scheming secret. And like you said, in the beginning of the game, Izzy was running around, uh, whipping people up, wanting to make all sorts of moves. Mm-hmm. It felt like because we know she binge watched all the seasons. Yeah. And it felt like when she did, she watched them on like three X speed and she was playing the same way. Zing, 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 zing. Um, but like you said, she has shown a lot of growth. She has calmed down. She, I think, adapted into mm-hmm. the role of being the queen's right hand. Yep. The problem was that everyone knew that she was the queen's right hand. And they also knew how tight she and Jared were, except for Cameron. Um, and this is where some of the problems started, like you've already you know, alluded to. Um, as we heard Corey say on Thursday's episode, Izzy, Sari, and Jared are three. I thought I was in that group. Matt added that he thought the same. It's never a good sign when people think you're super tight with them and they find out you're in that same position with multiple other people. Exactly. And I think one other thing I would say, it's kind of something we talked about beforehand early in the segment with Hi Sam, um, and then uh, who fought and red. It was <clears throat> what this rule is when you don't backstab until you need to. So Izzy was kind mm-hmm. of an interesting player where we saw their basically main enemy was uh, Cameron, but Cameron kind of got away scot free from them by multiple shots being able to be taken on against him, but they don't. But then at the same time, Izzy backstabs certain players like Hysam um, and red in a way they probably don't need to. And I think that created a culture of other players not exactly trusting them. I agree that like she played very strong in the beginning. If anything, she probably over-schemed in the beginning that mm-hmm. caused these things to happen. But it really lessened down and toned down as the game went by. The issue was with her demons from before, week two, week three, uh, week four, where she did overplay a little bit, including Sari and Co. It all just came and manifested itself into this week. Yeah, yeah. And now the funny thing is, Izzy knew the danger of being in a duo or a trio like this. Uh, She told Mike Bloom that Red and Cameron were dangerous for that reason, though I think we debunked that a bit last week. Um, But in any case, she said she told Sari that point and Sari asked, but aren't we doing the same thing? And Izzy responded, yes, I think we are dangerous, too, but we should be the ones to stay in the house. So she knew that the danger was there. Yeah. Uh, But the bigger part of the problem was not just that Corey and company realized how tight Izzy was with everyone, but specifically, again, how close she was to Jared. Mm -hmm. And you've already hinted at it. I want to wait a moment before I get to why that was a particular problem. But the point is that she was associated as a part of the group controlling the house. Most of the people who voted Izzy out, like you said, didn't particularly want Izzy to go. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we saw in the live feeds, Corey told America he wanted Jared out immediately and Sari soon after. Not so much Izzy, but America responded. Well, Izzy's the one on the block. And this is really a key point. We discussed a couple weeks ago how dangerous the right hand woman position can be for times when the HOH aims at someone else, but you get stuck on the block. In this case, the HOH was actually aiming at her, but you know, we discussed earlier how he was being stupid about it and purposely targeting someone close to Suri instead, uh, which basically makes it the same thing. He was aiming at Suri by taking out uh, Izzy. Exactly. And the last thing I'll add to this portion of the rule is that I kind of liken it to a match of chess. When you're playing somebody, sometimes, of course, you're trying to aim for the king. Sometimes you you really want to take out their queen as quick as possible. But certain points, you need to trade a rook for a rook. Even though you don't want to get rid of it, the positioning play means that you need to get this. And it might hurt you a little bit, but in the long run, it hurts them even more so because you have a better position in the game. And for Izzy was that person for them. Izzy was a rook also for Corey because she was aligned with them, but also a strong rook on the side of Sari. So he knew that by hurting himself, losing a life, it still hurts their side too. And America was the one really pushing it. So kudos to them for recognizing that, hey, yes, Izzy might be an ally gone for us in this shape or form, but it means an ally gone for them, the mm-hmm. other side. Um, and so that's what we need to do. We can play a long game and cut people out if we can to, because we have more pawns, quote unquote, um, <laughs> than this other side has now. Yeah, well, that may be the end of the second rule for you, but who boy, do I have more. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned, you know, Jared. Jared was the spark that caused the explosion of people finally recognizing what was going on. For much of the past week, I'm sure listeners have heard live feed updates and recaps and seen themselves what's been going on. When he won the veto, or again, was gifted the veto, uh, he hung out with Cameron and seemed to turn into like a mini me of Cameron. Uh, Meanwhile, Suri was stuck in a kayak. So Jared played by himself and he was terrible. Not only was he an egotistical know-it-all like Cameron, but his poor play went way beyond that as he revealed so much information about other people to Cameron without even thinking about, oh, this might come back to haunt me at some point. No, there was no thought about the future. This was talking about Corey, America, Matt, Jag, I I think even Nicole. Why? He wanted to show he was an important guy with all his powerful knowledge. But wait, there's more. And I'm not selling you Ginsu knives. He didn't just tell Cameron. He threw Corey and America under the bus to other people as well. Pretty much anyone who would listen. He even threw Corey and America under the bus to Corey. He took someone who could have been a trusted ally, turned him into an enemy. And he had to fight to do it because Corey really did try to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's like, I don't like you. No, you really do. I don't like you. No, you really do. And, you know, (laughs) after eventually, Corey was like, oh, okay, I guess you don't like me. You know, Jared wouldn't have it. He lied. He lied. He lied more. Corey called him out, said, please stop lying. He kept lying. And I'm not even talking about the big argument they had on Thursday afternoon before the vote. This was before that part of what caused the vote to swing against Izzy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a level of hubris that really, and as we go, we talk about, we're talking about more players 
then we are talking about Izzy because that's the story of the game right here is that Izzy was so interconnected to so many people in this game and this house that it became a shock to anybody else taking Izzy out. Um, mm-hmm. And really, unfortunately, uh, Izzy's uh, quote unquote, you know, brother, you know, right. was the one who essentially sold her down the river without even trying to. Yeah. Now, I do want to say for most of this, we blame Jared and, and he does deserve it. But we cannot say Izzy was blameless. She also told Corey late this week that he had to cut America, which wasn't the smartest thing to throw into the mix, regardless of the fact that he had complained about her to Izzy. They were still together as a showman. You said it earlier. They were they were tight. They were obvious. You just don't say that. And now Izzy has acknowledged that both while still in the house and in exit interviews. She thought it was a huge factor. I don't think it was as big a factor as she thought, but it was among the issues. And she spilled other information to Corey, too. Um, Blue told Izzy about America setting up an alliance. Izzy turned around and told Corey. Corey, of course, told America. So that's what led America to realize she has no uh, allies. And then she goes up and tells Cameron everything, which is what finally got through his thick skull. It's this, you know, talk about the Mm -hmm. butterfly effect. This is more like a row of dominoes. Not the deciding factor, but it was one of the dominoes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cameron sp- spread some of the things Jared had said, like about Corey having a secret. Corey finds out about that, knows it had to have been Jared. And boom, there's another lie. There's another area there. Jared was at the center of this web of lies, but Izzy was kind of hanging out on the web, too. You're not wrong. You're not wrong there. Do you feel like you want to talk about her being flexible at all? Not quite. Or, okay. But but wait, there's even more. You get there's more. No. Um, no, there's one final piece. No. Um, that I wanted to make sure we got in here because this goes back to uh what you were talking about with red. Uh, because people had said, Oh, you know, it was a good thing they got rid of red. And I, of course, said, No, it wasn't. Um the main reason it wasn't was that this helped lead or that helped lead to this situation. Mm-hmm. Forget even what I said earlier about whether or not Cameron would have thrown HOH. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't have, whatever. Even if he had won, he wouldn't have nominated Felicia and Izzy. Mm-hmm. He did that because they turned on him in red, broke them apart, evicted red, kept him in the dark. Even Cameron saw through what was happening. If they had kept loyal red we would be doing a very different podcast now and izzy was a big part of that decision including being one of the people to fend off felicia's last minute attempt to flip things back to voting out jack mm-hmm. no 100 percent. that was when she he was loyal to them he I, I don't remember if it was Izzy he told it to her who he told you but he basically and he got to izzy that he would want to evict himself before he tries to evict Sari. I mean, and I think Izzy also saw as maybe they don't want somebody closer to Sari than themselves, so they need to get Red out, but there really wasn't a, um, there was very little pathway for Red to be Sari's number two versus Izzy. Um, And it's one of those things where we talk about so often. I mean, there's a reason why we add another rule when we get to the jury phase of the game Mm -hmm. is because there's more at stake. There's more dynamics to play at 
In the same way in the Big Brother house, there's certain moves you do that are in pre-jury and after jury. There's no reason to get people who are numbers on your side when they don't pose exactly a threat to you out before they need to be. Yeah. I mean, they, we, you know, we talked about it last week. Anyone can go back and check that podcast, you know, that no, they were not a threat as a duo together because red was so bowing at Cerise feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that's what set Cameron up to set up these nominations. So, all right. With that, a rather long rule too. Yep. Now we can move into the well covered, um, which as you mentioned, talks about the need to be flexible. A number of people have said that the main reason Izzy lost was that she threw her game away for Sari and was playing for Sari instead of herself. If she did that, it would definitely be inflexible gameplay. But I want to hold off on that discussion until the fourth rule, because, again, if she did that, it would have been because of emotions. So instead... Let me once again just point out that Izzy was at the center of almost every alliance in the house. Was she in a very tight trio? Yes. We already discussed the problems inherent in that a moment ago. But she had things set up so she could have maneuvered through a number of different options moving forward, which showed that she was indeed being flexible. She was. I, I think we see the issue like she she was connected to Corey. She was connected with Siri. She was connected with Jared for Felicia. Um, and before had to be the people who went out the house. She was connected. I mean, I think anyone arguing that she was inflexible is not is ignoring the fact that Cameron to her was one of her most horde enemies but i think it was like week two um it didn't take long she was able to put that she called him she called him a serial killer and first met him you know i mean it went didn't take long you know exactly and and argue yes or no that whether it was valid for her not to take a shot at him when she had the ability to Mm -hmm. she didn't he was there was many chances he was on the block and she decided it was better for her game than to be you know go after him i think if anything izzy was probably one of the more flexible players in the whole house because she was able to be so fluid in her gameplay um the question is is was she the river and the person or the the, the current was Sari, so maybe she needed to be more current. But I think I agree with you in this you case could, is that that's for down the line for a different role. Yeah. I mean, you could say she was in a kayak with Sari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kayak. <laughs> she would like to, it, it, the, the field family. Yes. Field family kayak. Yes. Yes. So now we can, uh, I think, quickly move to that fourth rule, uh, which says players should not let their emotions control them because. We already know what one of the main questions is here because we, we just mentioned it. Did Izzy throw away her own game because of Sari? A lot of people think so, but I'm not a lot of people. So before everyone starts tweeting at me and commenting at me, let me explain. Is it possible that Izzy would have thrown her game away for Sari? Yes, but she didn't have a chance to do it. The game has not yet reached a stage where she had to make that decision. This was not Cody taking Derek to final two. Izzy was part of a solid core of people who were going to work together. In the meantime, we saw she had questioned herself to the cameras and to us about what to do about Suri. In the end, she never had to answer that question. So I don't think it's fair to say she threw away her own game because of it because she didn't have the opportunity to throw her own game away. 100%. I think this is one of those things where we talk about is that um, 
you there's a different mode in pre-jury and jury. Why would you not take the golden Willy Wonka ticket right there mm-hmm. all the way till mid-jury afterwards? Because here's the situation, right? You are one of the few people, and at that point, she doesn't know blue spilled the beans. And right. in all practical purposes, blue should have never known. Um, yes. In that understanding, why would you sacrifice these people that you have something over them? They know if they betray you that you can put that right on them. I mean, that's what they were worried about this week. Is she going to spill the beans or not? I mean, you have so much leverage over them. And also, if you get to jury, these people can keep you safe in a shape or form. But if you get them out, these are votes for you because yeah. they know what, hey, if they consider me in the field family, if they're both right. in jury, I'm the third one. So I, I don't think it's a bad decision that she was as close with them, but I think there's ways to maneuver that. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying she would never have made the wrong decision. It's quite possible. It might even be likely that it could have happened if the three of them had made it all the way to the end game. But we will never know. This is not a choose your own adventure story. We can't flip the pages and see what would have happened. Even she will never truly know because she could sit here in interviews and say whatever she wants. But until you're in that position, you will never know. But of course, part of the problem in being in an obvious duo or trio or quad or whatever, is that in this game, two of you can get nominated against each other. So you never even have a chance to figure out if you're going to support or oppose the other in this situation. Exactly. I think there's other situations too. You could say, was she emotional? You know, she, she, she spun out a little bit because of Cameron. But I also think if you look at her character too, you can see that, hey, she came back in. She was able to kind of not let it lead her decisions. Like, I think there was one character we talked about. um, Maybe, I think it was actually during our review when we were ranking these things. Mm -hmm. And I put it easy in one of the positions in this rule where don't let emotions control you. And I do think that she hasn't let her emotions control her. She has let them be up front out there. But the thing controlling her is logical decisions. I in her mind. I'm going to slightly disagree. Okay. But I want I want to finish up the uh the the Sari part because I know that there's still I'm I'm trying to anticipate all the people who are going to be asking okay, questions. Okay. Um and I I think some people may say, David, how can you say all this when Izzy came out of the house and did interviews where she said she was locked in with Sari and Jared? But the thing is as I, as I said she wouldn't have ever necessarily needed to make that decision. It would have required being in a situation where she was literally the decision maker. Like she won a challenge and she had to choose who to evict or she was the only vote, whatever. It's also possible that by that time, she may have seen Jared for the person he was. Maybe that's unlikely since she came out of the house and in the interviews was like, yeah, go Jared. But he's only been getting worse. You know, if she were staying in the house, she's not getting any better. Um, And especially if at some point, you know, Sari had left. Now, obviously, she doesn't have the same decision to make. But, you know, we saw how he was without Sari there to guide him. There are just too many variables to blame her for something that never had a chance to happen. Plus, she even said in several interviews that she had a plan to get to final two. And if she had won the final three HOH, she would have cut Suri, admittedly, because she believes Suri would have wanted her to do that. Um, 
But then she would have taken Jared to the end and beaten him. Now, do I think she would have beaten Jared in a final two? Yeah, I do. As we mm -hmm. know now, we still have weeks. But again, you have to get there. <laughs> you know, and so she was thinking about it, though, and that's good. So, again, we just can't say this was the reason because it wasn't. Um, now, related, you mentioned the secret. And some people have asked, I think uh, Julie may have even asked this. Could she have saved herself by revealing the secret? I don't think so. At least not at this point. If she had been up against Jared or Sari, maybe. Up against Felicia? Nah. I, I don't see how it would have helped her. If anything, it could have hurt her because it would have shown, again, it would have reinforced how close she was to Jared and Sari. So they would have been like, okay, let's get rid of Izzy and then get rid of Jared and Sari because now we know their secret. So I, I don't think revealing the secret would have helped. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's one of those things is that, okay, you reveal the secret for the small hope that it adds to your game, right? Um, and, and that you can stay there. But then what's after that? You've completely destroyed your trust with Jared and Sari there. And now you're all the things are kind of falling apart. You're kind of in a worse position. Yes. Hindsight's 2020. Now she might be there, but it's kind of one of those things. It's like, uh, if you're playing blackjack, right. You have an option. What you say, surrender, where if you, the, the dealer has a good hand right there, if he has a, a blackjack, you can put half your money, uh, and take it back essentially just half of it and you muck your mm -hmm. hand. Um, in that situation though, it's kind of like if you muck your hand, uh, the percentages are you probably should stay with it because if she stays here because she was well, so the percentages are always going to be that way because the house gets to decide what the percentage yeah yeah well the house gets to decide <laughs> but in this situation though if she is able to save her like she's good and she doesn't you know give the secret away then she's in a much better place if she didn't then she revealed it again right hindsight's 2020 but it was the flip of a coin i think there were other maneuvers she could do before going to revealing the secret that weren't done i mean yeah. i think she was going to be in that house until jared essentially blew up her spot right right now getting back to what you had asked or mentioned before about emo her emotions I, I we both talked about she had improved a lot but sometimes it did come out uh, after the pressure cooker, she told Felicia she couldn't help but snap at Cameron and Red and admitted she just couldn't control herself with them. Now, did that play a role here? No, that's just one example that I happen to have in my notes. More importantly to this outcome was she got mad in America when America came to apologize to Izzy about telling Felicia she was leaving. Because... So the setup was basically Sari and Izzy had a big plan about when to tell Felicia that she was leaving, except they didn't tell everybody the plan. So then America goes and tells Felicia not knowing. And then somehow America's in trouble. It's like you did something that was wrong, even though nobody told you it was wrong. But in her words to Mike, she said, I came at her. I shouldn't have had that conversation with her. That should have waited. That probably should never have happened. And she's right. You know, she should not have gone after America about that. But as I mentioned earlier about her conversation with Corey, that was just many or one of many straws on top of the camel before its back finally broke. And like you, yeah, sorry. And like you said, most of those straws were shoveled up there by Jared. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you make perfect sense in that. I think another thing, too, I've been realizing as we go through this rule in this season particularly is that I feel like this cast is a little bit more apt to saying things that are on their mind, either to one mm-hmm. another or each other. They, I I just don't think, which is a good thing, they don't take as much. a good thing much. for drama. If you're watching yeah. for for what is, what is it? Uh, fun feeds. Hashtag fun feeds. You know, uh, I, I don't think they take too much to heart. And by that, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like other casts would be a lot more at knives at one of each other. If they heard the things they were each saying to each other when they blow up. I mean, uh, I don't know. Not spoilers, but like before this week when Corey and Jared just talking to each other, mm-hmm. um, going at each other, they're still able to kind of converse afterwards. Or there's been some right. other blow ups. I don't think we've seen that in other seasons where we have people blow up at each other or even talk to each other in a mean way and then be like, you're a serial killer. The way she's talking about Cameron and then let it go. So yeah. the. I, I, I think a lot of that has to do with Corey. Mm, okay. Um, I think that Corey with his experience in debate knows to keep the argument separate from the person that's valid and and so i when i think of these different things a lot of it revolves around Corey. one thing that Corey has been doing a little too much in my opinion is saying i respect you and you have your own opinion but da 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 and even when he got into the big argument with jared on thursday afternoon he kept saying that, you know, Jared's like yelling at him and interrupting him and da da da. And he was, I mean, he did raise his voice somewhat at certain times, but he was just like, you know, I respect you and it's not personal, but you're a liar and you've done that. And he was doing this for an audience. There was literal audience there of Matt and Bowie Jane and Jag and at one point, Sari. Now, Sari, of course, we already know what side she was taking, but he didn't know that. And if you're debating for an audience, maybe in a in a typical debate where you have judges, then you can say that. But look at politics in general. You yell. You don't apologize. You don't mm-hmm. um, say, uh, you know, respectfully and all that. No. And it's unfortunate. But too often, and I heard someone else say this, it might have been on the live feed recap. Too often, the loudest voice wins. Jared definitely had the loudest voice. And Corey, meanwhile, is like, we can still argue this and be friends in personal life. This is not about personal life. Mm -hmm. This is about the game. And it's like, yes, that's true. And it's good when they say, I mean, that's this whole rule is separate game from emotions. But not everybody can do it. I do think you're right. There's more of it this season. I think a lot of it is because of Corey. Not all of it, mm. but a lot of it is. Yeah, no, no that's a really good point. I'm, I, I didn't think about that, actually, in that portion. It reminds me, and I may have told this story on a podcast before. I had a um, co-worker, and he and I had to be, uh, at times, witnesses in hearings, mm. technical witnesses. And he came back from one, and he was so upset because the, the opposing lawyer grilled him when he was a witness, just grilled him. Yeah. And then when it was done and they went to take a break, she came up and wanted to shake his hand and say, good job. You know, it was nice seeing you. And he's like, you were just ripping me apart. How could you do that? And I'm like, well, cause that's her job. She's a lawyer. You know, I mean, it's not <laughs> personal for her. Yeah, yeah. Her goal 
is to knock down your points. Your goal is to make your points. Yeah, yeah. And he did not get that at all. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, too, I think it's um, you, you realize this in life. I think it's one really already impressive the way Corey is also able to hold himself. But I do think because I've been there at his age, you know, in the house. Sometimes people, especially the people that cast on the show, they don't think rationally. They don't mm. debate rationally. And there's if you're trying to come at them in a rational perspective, that won't win out in the game many times because there is no basis. The only basis is what you as a society within the Big Brother house, your castmates and the person mm-hmm. you're arguing with decides to be at. Right. And right. like you said, there's no judges there. It's basically sometimes the person who's the loudest will be able to bulldoze over them and they'll remember the last things there. Uh, and that's the situation with the Corey one that I think it's going to be really tough for him. I know we've kind of veered off there. And I don't want to get mm-hmm. too much off Izzy, but it's really hard to mangle that back into that. And that really comes from, I feel like life experience when you actually have to argue with random people out in the real world, you Mm -hmm. know, outside of school, outside when you have just somebody being so irrational with you, whether it's like a hot driver who's just so upset about you doing this and that or somebody else hothead somewhere in your life. Um, And that just comes with experience as time goes. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I wish Corey had more people who could debate with him on that level, <laughs> but I don't think we don't have that in the house. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We did veer off a little bit there. I'm not quite sure how we got there, but we did. So we should bring it back. Uh, really like you said, and uh, let's go to the fifth rule, which says to pretend to be nice and play the social game, which is kind of related. Uh, yeah. Now we did just talk about Izzy. Well, I mentioned Izzy sometimes letting her emotions get away from her overall. How do you think she did in this rule? Um, how did Izzy do in this role? Here's the thing is, I feel like she was able to keep a lot of controversial and just like her beliefs to herself to not in, make other people upset. I'm not saying her beliefs were in, in controversial, mm-hmm. but I feel like she had thoughts on how certain people acted in the thing. And yes, she, she vented, she went in the storage room, kind of similar to McCole who disagrees with a lot of people. Izzy was on that other side of things. And I found themselves tempering it as time went on. Um, but I think one issue was, was that people knew if Izzy didn't like you and she was very straightforward about that. I mean, the whole Cameron situation, really them being each other's enemies. Mm-hmm. The issue is, is only one side Cameron was able to empower versus she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. This is a tough situation because like I said, I feel like in a cast, in another cast, I feel like Izzy would have rubbed a lot of more people the wrong way. Cause she's kind of like, I'm going to keep it real with you in this season. More people are a little more apt to take it on the chin and just like give it right back. So I'm kind of like, I think she played okay in this area, but not the best, but not as bad as I would think. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I did think was particularly interesting about her was that she stood up for herself and her beliefs and others Mm -hmm. in a game when that can be dangerous. Like you said, she didn't let Jared get away with his misogyny near her. Yeah. Uh, he didn't stop, but at least he stopped talking around it near her. Uh, and then he complained to mom. Uh, he, you know, uh, she pushed back on some overly religious things in her eyes, overly religious mm-hmm. things that happened. Uh, even against Sari. Sari brought up something one time. She's like, no. Uh, and, and there were some other things, too. Uh, she even tried to talk to Heisem about the way he cut people off. That didn't work either, but she tried. And standing up for what's right can be extremely difficult in these games. And she tried to strike a balance. And I do think 
you know, as as we've mentioned a couple times now, that in terms of being nice, pretending to be nice, she got better as the weeks went by. Mm-hmm. You know, way back in the first couple weeks, Corey said that Izzy would be in trouble if the wrong person won HOH because she rubbed people the wrong way. Now, lucky for her at the time, it didn't happen. And she did start to control it. It got to the point that this week we heard from some people that everybody in the house liked Izzy. And here's the thing about this vote. The people who did it specifically didn't want it to be personal, like we were just talking about. But they felt too they had to they felt they had to do it as a game move. It's like we liked you, Izzy, but we've got to get you out of here. We have to do this move. And that's honestly a really a good way to have people come at you in a, like hindsight. Mm-hmm. You know, she can still be happy with their game. And that's the thing is why I'm kind of just sad. I'm not disappointed in Izzy's game because I think she played a really fun game. Mm-hmm. I think she was entertaining in a lot of ways. I just think the cards were against her in some ways that I'm not saying she didn't contribute to, but I don't think um, there's certain times where we're like, yes, like when Jag was voted 10-0, but didn't go home. We're like, Jag, your fault. This is on yeah. you, bro. Um, and where he should have probably been voted at 20-0. <laughs> Jag, this is on you. Versus this week, I think there's a lot of factors that really went in play to make Izzy the target that went home. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't because she didn't keep her controversial or uh, right. wasn't pretending to be nice to anybody. Right. Right. So let's see if it is because she was too much of a threat, which is the sixth rule. Uh, and this brings us back again to the tight relationship she had with Sari and Jared. From very early on, we can go back to Riley, if you remember her. I remember her because I follow her on Instagram, so every once in a while, a picture will pop up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember her. Um, but she was telling people that Sari and Izzy were running things, even way back then. It took the others a little while to stop fighting amongst themselves, to be... You know, they they were fighting amongst themselves to be closest to the trio. So they had to stop doing that and realize, oh, we actually all have the same goal. (laughs) But once they did, in large part, thanks to Corey's information dump, it all came together. And a good part of the reason was that Izzy was up against Felicia. And while many people in the house may think Felicia can win if she makes it to final two, just by virtue of being Felicia. They also know she's not a super strategist. America said Izzy is the better game player. Nicole said basically the same thing. Matt told Bowie Jane that Izzy is smart, strong in comps, and breaks up other alliances so, you know, so that, or getting rid of her breaks up those alliances so they can get into them, etc. So, yeah, compared to Felicia, you know, I hate to agree with Cameron, but you know, even he said, why would you vote out Felicia instead of Izzy in this situation? No, I agree. I think uh, without repeating the things you said that make her threat, one thing I think is kind of the same reasoning they gave to vote out High Sum during then was they're worried about how he would be on jury. You know, I think I don't know if it was truly vocalized on the this week or not for a reason for her to be chosen. But I think there has to be some thought that, huh, if Izzy makes it to jury, and say if Sari's still here or if Jared's still here, that's a vote they're getting. Now, how do I separate that from how do I take away a vote from them that's probably not coming my way at all? Let's take Izzy out. Because I think also Cameron looks at it as that Izzy's never gonna vote for me in at the title well, yeah. two. Um Felicia, I don't 
know if she will, but I think there's it, it, probably uh, if there's a hundred percent chance Izzy won't, there's at least a ninety percent chance that Felicia won't, and that right. means it's a ten percent difference right there. Yeah, and so because of that, combined with being a triad and actually being a quad with Felicia, but they're both on the block. Yeah. Um, Izzy's just a dangerous player, even though, you know, Felicia did win that one competition, the HOH competition. And Izzy hasn't, I think, to my understanding, won a competition yet. She hasn't, but I think she's come in second in a number of them. She's been coming close. Exactly. So uh, all those things combined as the days go, weeks go by on. And keep in mind, they thought Jerry was starting right then. So this is her last chance to keep somebody away from Jerry. So it kind of adds up to making Izzy a much bigger threat at this point in the game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everything you said is right. I'm just not sure that that was going through their head. I, mm. We didn't hear them talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I, I don't know. It, but everything you said is right in that, yeah, if I'm not Sari or Jared, she's not voting for me at the end. Yeah. Um, so now another aspect is that earlier in the season, it became clear to me that Izzy was the perfect shield for Sari. And for a while, I do think Sari intended to use her that way. And mm -hmm. at one point, she even told Jared, no, don't calm down, Izzy, because Izzy in a tizzy draws attention away from us. If, if she calms down, it'll come back towards us. So just leave her be. Now, that changed as time went by and Izzy became a fully adopted Fields child. But she was still a threat, especially in combination with the other two Fields. Yeah, exactly. I think ironically is that... Um, it wasn't Izzy who was taking after at some point it was Izzy's um, wildness or sporadicness that was taking attention away from them. It was Jared's right. mouth was bringing attention to them. I mean, if they could just kind of all, I, I mean, really, I feel like the so result would have been so different to Sari, Jared and Izzy just say a minimum of like a thousand words for the whole week, you know, just like, Hey, we're going to not say much We're yeah, do what you need to do what you need to. And it would just been go flow by, but it's really one of those situations with too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And one really bad cook, one of <laughs> one that could, you know, compete on America's worst chefs or whatever it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, the seventh rule says to trust almost nobody. And it's clear that Izzy trusted several people too much. Uh, one she fully trusted was obviously Suri. Um, and it, it seems like that was a valid one to trust. So I think we can move past her. However, we have to discuss Jared because even this week, he proposed voting Izzy out to his mom before she shot him down. If it had been up to him, I think he would have been very happy to get rid of one of the people who knew his secret. Which made it kind of funny that he was so angry at Corey on the live feeds for actually making the move that he had himself suggested. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a power thing. And I mean, I think this is Everything one of the rules. With Jared is. Yeah. It's, it's a power issue. And I think, and it's the funny thing is like, Izzy was never trying to fight for the power against Jared. Um, and I think the frustrating thing for me is that this is probably the one rule that I really think that just dug Izzy deep. Cause we talk about, Hey, there's a lot of external factors that had to happen that kind of made Izzy be the target this weekend. This is the rule that she could have controlled. She trusted between Jared, between Sari, and on the other side of things, Corey, 
you mm-hmm. really have an issue now that when you have two sides of people who are going against each other, you have to limit the information on one end to the other. And I understand you want a lifeboat, but I do think you don't have to utilize the lifeboat to the other side until you get a little deeper in the game. You plant the seeds and kept them planted. And I think that's the issue when people are looking around at some of these players to re-encode. They're like, they've planted too many seeds and they're already trying to get them to sprout. Versus if you plant the seeds, leave them there give them time to grow and without people realizing there's a forest around them and they're not sure who even put the seeds there in the first place but we saw that too often that they move too quickly after inserting their own what what not yeah i mean it's you're exactly right Corey is the key you know she had that much right in her exit interviews um you know they were indeed close she was right about that i think that she could have trusted him for a while, um, but she blew it the way we discussed earlier. Uh, you know, again, while she was saying in the house, one conversation changes everything. It wasn't quite that simple. It wasn't one conversation, but yeah, she she trusted him with all this information. And then she said things to make him, you know, lose that trust. Exactly. I mean, and at the end, you just have to be a little smarter when you're in the house and you have, I mean, Izzy's a mature adult. They know you have Corey here and I'm not saying anything against Corey. I really like Corey, but a younger guy, he's in college. He's meeting this woman who seems like a great woman who's America. He's kind of an island. You know, right now, if they're matching together, his head is in the mind with her. He's excited. It's, It's great. I just don't know. I know she said she regrets it in the house and outside, but why you would think you should even hint at yeah. cutting off. You suggest maybe I could work with America. Maybe me and America can talk some more versus. Mm, yeah. Let's get her out. Yeah. And they had done that earlier. He had, they had talked about ways they could involve America more. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's nope. Cutter. You know? Yeah. So. All right. Well, with that, it is about time to wrap things up. For Izzy, what are your final thoughts about her? Uh, my final thoughts on Izzy is that I, I think, you know, if Izzy ever watches this podcast, this is not even for her to watch or anyway, but I truly enjoyed her gameplay. I truly enjoyed watching them play. I think they were a very fun cast, very fun person to be on the show. My only regret is that I don't think the audience members were going to really see all that stuff because they didn't really show all of it. I think there could have been a really awesome storyline that we just weren't shown on the TV episodes. I really think her ultimate undoing it was again our uh basically our final rule where we talk about she trusted too many people with certain information i don't think it was that she should have leaked the secrets i don't think i even had an impact on it she was just became the biggest threat at the wrong time a week before or a week after i think izzy gets so much farther in the game and gets in a place where we're actually talking about the reality of oh do we see izzy in his final three because i think she really had it in place but they had to take a shot at Suri. And like I said before, if the viewers and listeners remember, is that Suri has multiple health bars. And to take down the final boss, you have to take one health bar down at a time. Izzy was the fir- first health bar. We will see if the other side can actually take down Suri and Co. But Izzy was the first step. For that, for all these reasons, I think Izzy went home. I will miss her, but I hope she's doing well. Yeah. Yeah. I referenced your health bar for the, for the uh, big boss on the uh, oh, Sunday yeah? night recap. I love that. 
Um, yeah, I've mentioned and we know that a lot of people online have said and probably will continue to say that Izzy threw away her game for Sari. But as I discussed, she didn't have a chance to do that. She questioned herself. We don't know what decisions she would have made if it had come to it. And in the end, it didn't matter for her because it wasn't up to her. Many big brother players get into title alliances. That wasn't the problem. The main problem was that one of those tight allies was Jared, and he ran rampant this week. Sure, Izzy made her fair share of mistakes in the game, and by no means am I saying she was some innocent bystander here. As we discussed, she wouldn't even be in this situation if they had evicted Jag instead of Red last week. But putting aside all that past action, she didn't at all hide how tight-knit she was with Sari and Jared. That led to the realization of how many alliances she was in overall. Plus, she made several errors in both emotion and strategy by saying things to people that she should not have said. On their own, I think she could have survived those. Like you said, this week or that week, you know, another week, she could have survived those. But combined with everything else that was going on, she just got buried. And that's the key. It was not one single thing that did Izzy in. There rarely is. Otherwise, you know, what would be the point of this podcast? But I know Izzy still has been saying that it was that one conversation. It wasn't. Jared set this all in motion by doing all the things we already discussed and more. But Jared wasn't the available target when the time came. His ally was. Izzy didn't cause most of the problems that blew up the alliances. If she hadn't already been on the block when it happened, I think she could have survived it all. In that way, she was somewhat collateral damage in the battle. But she put herself into that position by aligning so closely that people saw her leaving as damaging to those they were up against. And that is why Izzy lost. Well done. All well, right. The nicer monologues you've given for somebody to be evicted this season. Well, that's because, you know, the previous, most of the previous <laughs> were just so bad. But, um, so, uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit here. And uh, before we continue into our predictions, which are still spoiler free, uh, you know, but uh, I, I want to make sure that if you want the spoilery information that we have, you know where you can find us on social media because we're all over the place. We are. Uh, we discuss Big Brother and so many other topics with Survivor coming soon. That will be both on all our social medias as well. So on Twitter, I'm at the OV Kabir. On Instagram, I'm at OV Kabir. And on TikTok, I'm at Basmati Boy. David is all over the place. There are a few ways to track him down. And you can find all his various accounts through his Linktree at Linktree slash David Bloomberg. And you can find him on most text-based social media like Twitter and Blue Sky at at David Bloomberg on video platforms like TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram is at David Bloomberg TV. And because Threads is connected to Instagram is at David Bloomberg TV there as well. Yes. And, uh, you know, since Big Brother has started, I have been posting, as I mentioned before, three or four or sometimes even more videos per day at TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, some are thoughts on what we saw in Big Brother. A number of them are tidbits from the live feeds, even a few from other shows, although mo it's been mostly Big Brother lately. <laughs> I, I don't know if the buddy games will make it or not, uh, but Survivor certainly will. And of course, that's starting soon. In fact, uh, the Y Blank Lost Survivor 45 preview and prediction podcast with 
me and Jessica Lewis will be out soon. And then I'll be doing double duty starting in two weeks as we continue doing Why Blank Loss for Big Brother while Jessica and I do it for Survivor. Oh, please send David your prayers. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like I'm tearing here, you know, I mean, but <laughs> still, yes, it's those TikToks take a lot of time and keeping up on Twitter and the live feeds, you know, it's it's, you know, like I said. Uh, what happened? I can't relax. I can't relax. <laughs> you can't relax. And I also want to say, I want to encourage everyone to check out the RJP patron program at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Rob has so many patron only podcasts that I've truly lost count. And with Big Brother and Survivor coming up, there's going to be so many more episodes. So jump on board and support shows like ours and everything on the network by becoming a patron at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Yes. So we can move into the spoiler free predictions. Uh, and again, to ensure that's the case. I wrote up my notes on Thursday night before the before the fees returned for the wall competition. Um, so as I was writing these, I did not know who won. As further confirmation, I sent some information to Ovi. Ovi sent some information to me. Mm -hmm. So if one of us is right, it's verified. We knew that, you know, it would happen if we're both wrong. Well, we knew that would happen, too. Um, now, the new alliance if you can even call it an alliance, I'm hoping it will stay as an alliance, uh, has a number of people with a good chance to win the wall. For me, America and Matt were tops. I would have said Corey, but he has looked like hell from the stress and the slop starvation diet he's been on. Um, I, you know, Blue could win this too. I, I put my faith in America. Um, if that's the case, I'll say... She will continue in what she's doing. She'll go big. She will nominate Sari and Jared. Sari mm. will try to sacrifice herself, but the rest of the house will be like, hell no, we want Jared out. And so that's my prediction for the first eviction. Since it's a double, I want to say Cameron will go next since pretty much everyone wants him out. He's an easy target for that situation. The only thing is he can compete in both HOH and veto comps. But a double is more likely to have the types of comps that can be won by a random person. So what the heck? I will say Cameron as the second. So I'm predicting Jared and Cameron as the two voted out this week. Interesting. Well, I can tell you for sure this first one, I we both, uh, that is what uh, David told me. We texted about this last night. I went the opposite uh, direction as David, and I do not have much belief in the house guest America, and maybe the questionable country itself, but that's a different day, a different topic. Uh, I actually thought the inverse. I thought fueled by the rage, by the betrayal, there's one person who's going to hold on to this uh, inclined wall more than anybody, and that's going to be Jared. I uh, predicted that he would win, and if he does win, I told David that I believe that AmeriCorey is in trouble, the showman's, and I'm people are going to not like me for this one, but I'm going for the double play on this one. I think either America Corey go home. I'm not really sure. I think Corey goes home this week if Jared wins, and then in the double, I think it gets finished once again. Wow, America goes home. Wow, so I the think showman's showman out cut. Before, um, before they can even get to the jury house. Damn. Before jury. That's my predictions. I know I might get some rage sent over me, but that was my things in our text. Wow. All right. Well, with that, uh, you can, uh, you know, make sure 
that uh, you hear the viewpoints of all the RHAP podcasters by subscribing on our YX, YX Lost feed page to get all of the rehab ups or subscribe directly to the Big Brother feed at robhasawebsite.com slash bigbrother. Uh, you'll find all the great content that you know and expect from RHAP. Yes, and finally, want to thank Scott St. Pierre and the whole RJP and Reality TV wrap us behind the scenes team for all their work doing editing and posting everything else. We really appreciate everything you do to get our voices to your microphones and your ears. And more than anything, I want to say thank you to all of you all for just commenting, keeping up with this crazy, crazy season. We're on week six. I can't imagine how we've gotten here so quick and we have a lot more. So please let us know your thoughts. Keep commenting and let us know what you think this next week's going to see in this double eviction. Yes. And thank you, as always, Ovi, for joining me once again, uh, considering how what was going on in the house before they shut down the feeds for this eviction. I expect even more fireworks this coming week, no matter mm -hmm. who wins HOH. And so we will see everybody back here for a double Y blank lost in one week. We will see everyone then. Bye. Yeah, this is Y blank lost. This is why blank lies. Oh, baby, this is why blank.